It's The Building Code. I'm Zach Witovich. I am Charlie Bertwistle. Good to see you, my friend. We are post-Thanksgiving. Post-Thanksgiving. Moving into the holiday season. What's your favorite? Do you like, are you a Thanksgiving guy or are you a Christmas guy? Um, I think normally Christmas guy, but this year we did a prime rib instead of a turkey. Whoa. And talk about a game changer. That's kind of blasphemous. Oh, well, uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> as long as it tastes good and you eat too much of it, I think you're sticking with, uh, it's just about eating. Yeah. That's yeah, the, the main reason for the season. I, have, right there. I, I actually historically hated Thanksgiving because, uh, my aunt did the cooking and oh. my, my aunt, she has, she has, uh, uh, a time or two, I would say, really taking some creative liberties with the turkey. Right. Uh, I'll tell you more about it off air. Well, I, but I've I have taken this holiday upon myself, and since then, it is now my favorite holiday because I actually get to like control ooh, what okay. I consume. So yeah, we went we went all out. I made pumpkin pie, turkey. Wow. Re- insane recipes. I was like putting butter under the skin of the turkey like shoving things up it was official maybe yeah. we need to do a little cooking episode yeah Ooh. i would little, also like a little to side youtube yeah content who wants to, hey if you want to watch us cook things in the facebook group make sure you download a podcast and make a comment on the facebook <laughs> group i would also like to point out uh for the listeners here that zach and i do work together outside of the podcast we're actually had, pretty serious we've had two meetings today and we haven't once discussed how our thanksgiving works <laughs> that's so, the first time yeah <laughs> Uh, what are we, we even doing? All right. It's the podcast. We've got to focus up here. We've got focus two up. guests today. I don't know if we've ever done two guests in one no, episode. It's a, At it's least a monumental. It's two separate topics. So we've got Builders Go To with Carla Merrill mm-hmm. to talk about financial processes and her consulting business. Really excited for that. And then we've got returning guest. Katie Brown from the research team. Talk uh, a little bit about uh, growth mindset. Um, and I think that these two... I would imagine these two guests are going to go pretty well hand in hand. I know that a lot of what Carla is going to be talking about will be how do you even set up your, you know, financials in builder training, co-construct? How do you get off the ground running and how do you become better? You know, a lot of people have been doing things the same certain way. There is a better way out there, uh, which I think will segue really nicely into Katie Brown's growth mindset um, talk where she'll be talking about exactly that. Like, how do you improve on what you currently have and make sure that you're not in a fixed mindset? So super excited for these two guests. Um, yeah, let's get into it. Let's do it. Let's get them on. Carla, welcome to The Building Code. It's great to have you here. Thank you. I am excited and honored to be here. So thanks for having me. Absolutely. No, thank you. It's, the pleasure is really Charlie and <laughs> I. Trust, trust me. We, we are always the lucky ones in these scenarios. Absolutely. We wanted to bring you on The Building Code to talk a little bit about a topic that is near and dear to all of our listeners' hearts, which is the financial aspects of running a construction company. It's tough. It's There's a lot of ways to do it. Um, some people just kind of figure it out. Other people reach out for third-party consultants. Recently, we've had a lot of different people who work in this space uh, in consulting and, and you know have hundreds of clients to you know a few clients like yourselves. Uh, before we kind of dive into our questions here, why don't you just tell us a little bit about um, Builders Go To and and you know what you do with your clients and you know how many people are you working with? Just kind of the overview of, of what you are setting up there in Idaho. Yeah, um, I I basically I mean I do a couple of different things, but mainly what I do is I consult with builders and help them. Um, understand job costing, be able to help them to know what they need to do to be able to 
um, track their costs, be able to make sure that they've got, you know, cash flow running in the way that they needed to. Um, I help a lot with accounting codes, helping them get things set up in QuickBooks so that things are flowing the way that they need to and the project management software that they're using. Um, I'm also a QuickBooks Pro Advisor, so I consult a lot with how to use QuickBooks and some of the issues that people are having with that. I kind of fell into it. I, um, I have a background in accounting. I've actually done books for a couple of different builders. I started off doing bookkeeping for a, a friend who was, I guess, I would call him maybe a semi-custom spec builder, and he was using CoConstruct. So that was my first sort of introduction to project management software. And then I worked for a, a custom builder remodeler who not only needed help with his books, but also just with his business process. So I I introduced him at the time to CoConstruct to help with that. But then I, um, so that's where I really honed in on sort of the advantages of using a software such as Builder Trends um, or CoConstruct and integrating that with QuickBooks to be able to um, help with your, with your financials and being able to really see where you're at. So how long ago did you go, like, kind of make the transition from, you know, helping a, a friend kind of on the side to actually, you know, forming Builders Go To and, and kind of doing this full time? Yeah, well, I was, it's been a few years ago now, I was actually asked by CoConstruct if I would be willing to offer their training, which was called CoCamps, at the time to their users in the Western U.S. I am in Idaho, and just to kind of cut down on people having to travel so far to be able to get that training. So I started offering that live in western larger cities and then when covid hit i pivoted like a lot of other people did and started offering those classes online and then i just sort of fell into because of my accounting background into a specialization of consulting people one-on-one -on, -one on financials on construction financials and job costing quickbooks integration and then going online and doing that more virtually actually opened up just uh awesome door for me where I was able to work with builders all over the U.S. and Canada and even Australia and New Zealand. So I've just loved it. It's been a really great opportunity for me. That's amazing. And I've met a lot of amazing people. So super grateful. That's always my favorite part about the construction business. You guys know, Charlie knows this, how it's, it's, I always kind of think of it as like, it's like a quilt. You have so many different people of different they did different things before they ended up in construction. And, and now it's kind of this really interesting ecosystem of people that have got different skill sets. So I, I'm sure you've got amazing stories to talk about all the cool people you've met in your time. I was just going to make a joke. Like there was a time where you'd come onto the building code and bring up co-construct. We would have been like, come on. Like, I know. You know, I know. It's, it's fun that those days are kind of over. Like, oh, co-construct, they're part all of our, our builder trend family. All part of the right. family. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you started with co-construct and, and I did. now you're, you're, you're into both builder training. And I, co -construct. Am. I am into both. Yep. Yep. I'm interested for what's that experience been like? I know it's not really like one of the topics, but what is the, you know, are they more similar than they are different? Like, has there been any learning adjustments you've had to do? Like what's been your experience? Yeah, I mean, it's been a bit of a learning adjustment, but yeah, they're very similar in the way that, you know, the programs integrate with QuickBooks and, you know, especially with the ability that you have inside of each one of those programs to be able to track you know, your estimated versus actuals, the budget pages, you know, and that type of thing, the ability to use purchase orders, change orders, um, that type of thing. They're very similar um, and and great. I mean, it's a great tool. I mean, and um, 
for builders to be able to use. And it gives them more insight into the overall picture of their financials than they were, would get if they were just using like a program such as just QuickBooks. Yeah. So, so bottom line, you need to have a project management software. 100%. Charlie yeah, and I have absolutely. no preference as to which one you use. <laughs> Neither does Carla, but it's good to nope, have. No, I don't. Nope, I don't. <laughs> absolutely. Yes. Yes. That will, will help you. So that's a must in my, in my mind. Well, I think it's super cool that you were able to, like Zach mentioned, like a, a non-traditional construction background, you were able to kind of find this need in the market and, and able to fill it. And that's definitely a common theme of the past few guests that we've had on here. And I mean, even most people at Builder Trend don't come from a traditional That's construction true. background. Um, but you know, the, the, the topics and the applications of the processes across most businesses um, are all kind of the same. People need to make money and they need to know where that money's coming from uh, and they need yeah. to be able to forecast some of that stuff out. So um, I know we'll have, uh, we actually have a guest coming on af uh, after you at the end here to talk about like growth mindset and how that could be applicable across a ton of different companies. But I, I feel like cash flow and accounting and, and some of that stuff is definitely in that same realm of no matter who you are and where you're at, it's something that you need. Um, so what is like in the construction space, working with the, the builders that you're working with, how does that interaction typically, typically go? So they reach out to you with kind of a blank slate and say like, I don't even know where to start or is it more so what I'm have, like what I'm doing right now isn't working, uh, fix it please. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit of both, honestly. I mean, I'll get builders who are doing fine, you know, relatively fine financially, but they're just wanting to get more organized or they want more detailed reporting or something along those lines. So I help them, um, you know, customize their accounting codes and get things to be the way that they want them to be. But more often than not, the people that are contacting me are they they are struggling. I mean, they're struggling to understand what does job costing mean? Exactly how do I do it? A lot of them don't know if they're profitable until the project is finished, which is obviously not ideal. Right. Um, and they know it's not ideal, but they don't really know what to do to fix that. And oftentimes, you know, builders, builders, their strength is building. It's not bookkeeping. I mean, and so, and job costing is, is not a common accounting method. And it's really only specific to construction. So even accounting professionals don't understand how to do it. And so I do spend people who contact me need help understanding how job costing works. How do they set it up? How do they implement it? I spend time even meeting with their bookkeepers or their accountants and explaining it to them and showing them how they need to set that up in QuickBooks and how that transfers into builder trend, you know, and being able to, um, use that to be able to follow their budgets and that type of thing. Um, so it's a little bit of both, but for the most part, it's just trying to figure that out and, and being able to wrap their head around understanding exactly how does this work? That's a great point, Carla. Um, that's something that I think, I don't think people fully understand is that the way that these systems work together and the way that you have to run a construction company, uh, isn't necessarily a ubiquitous experience for all of accounting. Um, I've had to explain to bookkeepers like, Hey, this is, this is the way it has to work in order to feed the information. So I always love talking to people who like yeah. know how it works and be like, see bookkeepers that we've talked to. It's not that it's wrong. It's just different. It's just a little it different, is. but once you yeah, like, understand the, the way to translate it, it absolutely works. It does. I mean, I do even have um, people who will say, well, my accountant says I can't do it that way, you know, that I can't use a product and service or an item in QuickBooks. It's not the way it's supposed to be, you know, and trying to explain to them that 
that's really what is leverage. That's what job costing is, is. And if they don't really haven't seen it before or haven't worked in construction before or something like that, it's not something that they would normally know. How much do you have to change people's processes and behaviors in order to get it to work? I mean, I think that's the biggest anxiety is like, oh, you're touching my books. You're, yeah. you're, you're messing with my accounting. You're going to, you're going to actually cause a bigger issue by tweaking this, but I, I don't think that's necessarily true. I mean, it, it's subtle changes in the way you do things that lead to these outputs, right? It really is. I mean, it's subtle changes to site for say in QuickBooks, it's just, you know, where are you allocating these costs instead of putting it in, you know, what's called a category detail, you're putting it in an item detail, mm-hmm. you're just job costing it to a specific code. Um, and it's really just a talk through, I mean, mainly just explaining sort of the overall overview process of how things are, you know, pushing and pulling between like builder trend and QuickBooks. And once they kind of see that and understand that, then just tweaking things and setting things up so that they understand how they need to be entered in so that all of that information flows. And it's gonna give them the reporting that they want. They're usually actually pretty excited, honestly. Um, you know, once they Relieved. kind of understand how that works. Yeah. <laughs> It was like, thank you. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you so much for having this work for me because they know, they think they kind of yeah. know what they want the outcome to be, but they just don't know how to get there. So what once, uh, I guess what is kind of the end goal of like how to get there? Once you get everything set up, they understand how it's working, everything's smooth sailing. What are some of the kind of, I, I guess, key financial measurements that they should be, you know, checking in on and tracking now that they're able to track it, um, that kind of constitutes, you know, a financially healthy company? Yeah, well, I mean, statistically, it's been proven that builders who track their costs on a daily basis usually finish their projects on time and within budget. And so you do have to have that job costing component set up in order to be able to do that. And so I would say, you know, that so a financially healthy one would be one who is regularly, whether that's daily or at least weekly, mm-hmm. tracking their estimated versus actuals, which can be done, you know, on a budget page, you know, in Builder Trend. Um, one who's staying on top of their upgrades and additions and price changes by using, you know, tools such as change orders and purchase orders, um, so that it doesn't they don't fall behind on that and they don't end up eroding their profit as the project is progressing which can easily happen. And then, you know, just as we've been talking that they're integrating actually with QuickBooks so that they can see it. Um, you know, QuickBooks is a great financial tool, but it's not really until you integrate with, you know, software such as Builder Trend where you can really see the overall financial health of your projects. And one of the great things about tools such as Builder Trend is it gives you actually the option too to be able to give your client at least some level of visibility into their financials, which you're not going to do with QuickBooks. I mean, you're not going to give your client login access to your QuickBooks account and being able to have them see that on the project management side can go a long way for, you know, creating that level of trust with your client. Yeah. That's super cool to hear you say that's, uh, so I work in the uh, data science department here at Builder Trend. Uh, so unlike Zach, I don't get to, 
uh, and we get the pleasure of interacting with customers and hearing like actual, you know, sentiment about how they're using the, the program and things like that. But I do get to look at data all the time, uh, which is a different lens on the same kind of result. And something that we always call it on the data science team is like the builder trend bump. Uh, which is like once you start using builder trends, you kind of get this this increase in your productivity. And we've actually shown over time, you start getting jobs done quicker, you start getting jobs done under budget. Um, so it's yeah. cool to hear you say that from the the qualitative standpoint of like, no, once you start tracking this, it, there, there are actual results um, that go along with it. Um, and it's cool yeah. from my point of view. I'm like, oh yeah, I, the data was right. That is happening. I know, it's funny. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny too, because like Charlie and I actually work together on a lot of projects. We make a great team because he's got the information and like I have the idea of like, here's what I want to do. Can you prove it for me from a data standpoint? And like, that's, that's kind of what you're doing on a construction project too. It's like you have your bookkeepers who are making sure everything's in the right place, it's reportable. And then the project manager or the owner who's looking at what you've done and, and make changes or here's where we can get the insights. Uh, but it takes work. And that's something I always tell people. It's like when I was consulting, it might, it might require you to use the system more. Like you got to log in more often. You got to, you got to update your purchase order. You got to, you got to go and make sure your schedule's up to date. Like it's a tool and it's only as good as the effort you put into it too. Right. But is the output of what you're getting worth it? And I think you would say, and I would say the majority of our clients that in the builder trim bump would prove like it is worth it. It absolutely leads to results. Yeah, it does. I've been in the trenches. I've seen it. I've seen it, you know, with builders that I've worked for and how it's transformed their business, you know, to be able to to have the builder, you know, maybe you've got a bookkeeper who's mainly working inside of QuickBooks, but then you've got a builder who's looking at it, you know, in Builder Trend or the software and being able to track that is huge um, and, you know, can help all all aspects of your business. So let's get into the, some of the mistakes that uh, you, you know you see your customers making. Are there things that you're over and over again that people are repeating or they're overlooking in their processes that maybe you could advise uh, for those listeners out there who are interested to maybe explore what they could be doing better? Yeah, I would say probably the biggest one is they're not utilizing tools like change orders and purchase orders. Um, for change orders, I would say you know jobs can get really hectic and they can move really fast. And um, then you've got these upgrades and these additions and things that take place. And you can sometimes have a tendency to, it can get overwhelming and maybe like the paperwork, so to speak, sort of gets put on the back burner or sometimes just gets completely forgotten about. And then you get to the end of the project and you've got these overages that you haven't properly documented or gotten a signed change order for. And then you're sort of left with this difficult dilemma of, well, do I change order the client after the fact Surprise, has, <laughs> enjoy yeah, your new project. Yeah. Hey, here's a right, $80,000 exactly. bill, no big. Which doesn't go over so great. Right. I mean, I've seen that happen before. And especially if the client, it wasn't made clear of whether that upgrade was included in the original price that you gave them or not. So the builder then is faced with, do they absorb that cost? And most of the time they do, mainly just out of embarrassment of not wanting to have to say, hey, this got out of hand and I didn't catch it in time and, you know, that type of thing. And then purchase orders are going to, you know, make your guesstimate a solid estimate and getting that, you know, implementing that with your trade before the work actually takes place um, is going to be able, purchase orders are intended to anticipate your actual. So it's an anticipation of what that bill that you get from your trade is going to be. So if you implement that ahead of time, you're able to sort of project and see where things are going to land, you know, once you get that invoice from them. 
I mean, I've honestly been in the room before where there's some pretty heated negotiations between a builder and a trade partner when the builder receives this unanticipated bill after the work has been completed. Same thing where you're like, okay, well, I'm not going to change order the client after the fact. You've got your trade, you did that work, you need to pay their guys. And so nine times out of 10, the builder ends up absorbing at least a portion of that cost. And so keeping up with those two things are really huge and being able to keep up with your estimated versus actuals and your profit and making sure that you're not eating into your profit by costs that you're absorbing that you really didn't have to. Um, and then the last one I would say, making sure that you're properly accounting for overhead. So in your project, so overhead are those costs that aren't necessarily always allocated to a project, like filling your checks up with fuel, paying your business license, you know, insurance, all of, you know, buying equipment, but you have to come up with a method or a way to be able to properly account for that in each one of your project, whether it's a percentage that you're adding on in addition to your profit or as, you know, a flat fee that you're adding as a cost line in your estimate. And there's multiple different ways that you can do that. But that's one thing that I find a lot that people are not doing or don't realize that they should be doing. Because at the end of the day, those costs are going to come out of your income. And most likely it's going to be out of your profit. So you have to be accounting for that. I think that's super cool to hear you talk about these things. I feel like the main pushback people normally give about wanting to track stuff, um, whether that be project management stuff or financial stuff, anything through Builder Trend or Co-Construct is, well, I already know all that. Like, I, what's a, a software going to tell me that I don't already know up here? And and that's, you know, a lot of pushback we get in the data world as well, too, is like, well, I already know those things. Well, there's two outcomes that it could come from. It is one, you're right, but at least now you have it validated. And on paper, you're able to track the things that you know over time. And then the other one, which isn't as fun, is you're completely wrong. And this is going to be a wake-up call. But it's a win-win right. either way. Um, so hearing you talk about all the things that they can track to not only look historically, but also plan for the future, I mean, who wouldn't want to get that set up and, and run their business that way? Right. That's, that's a really great point. I mean, truly, like, that's the whole idea behind, like, science itself. We'll get into that with Katie a little bit later. Like, you have a hypothesis, you need to prove it. Like, yeah. just because you think you know something doesn't mean that you do. Yeah, I'll and, talk scientific method all day. Yeah, for we'll sure. just get deep into it. We'll just <laughs> drop listeners left and right. We'll rebrand the whole podcast. The, the marketing team's looking at me, shaking their head now. So... You know, it, there's there's just something in, it, comforting and being able to look at the numbers and be like, okay, now I can actually make adjustments. I have shine light in places maybe I didn't want to look. It was like initially when you were talking about that is like, yeah, it can be scary to know that you're actually eating, you know, three, four, five percent margin on a project. Maybe you'd rather not know. Um, right. But, you know, it's better to have that that knowledge that you can continue to grow and scale and not have those questions. and. God forbid, sleep at night, not worrying about your business, right? <laughs> well, exactly. I mean, that's exactly it. Just being able to know where you're at, you know, really at all times. And it's possible. I mean, and the more you the more you do it and the more you get in the habit of doing it, um, it, you know, it, it can almost become um, something that you enjoy. I mean, a lot of books and doing financials is not always something that people love to do, even your personal thing, you know, anything. <laughs> but the more you do it, I think the more exciting it can be because you can sort of, you know, project where you're going to land. It can help you run your business better in the future. It can help you better estimate all kinds of different things if you're tracking that better. And it gets easier too. Mm -hmm. Like the more you do it, the more reps you go through, eventually it's just part of what you do. It doesn't feel like work. It's just, you've built the habit and this is just part of the process, right? I mean, 
if, if you're trying to adopt a, a process change, you're trying to be more financially driven as a, as a company and making decisions, like it may feel like these, oh, I'm making these massive process changes, but in two years, you're not going to look back and be like, man, remember, remember like setting up our accounting codes, you know, like you did it once you've got it right. You don't have to worry about it again. That's exactly. I tell people all the time, you know, accounting codes and kind of setting it up is a one and done. Yeah. Usually, I mean, Hopefully. you get it and it might be a little bit difficult, but once you've got that set and you know what you're doing in terms of how you're allocating, then everything else pretty much flows pretty well, you know, and you're able to, to take a look at what you're at, but it just, that initial setup can sometimes be felt really overwhelming. So, the, so that's the, what I'm here for. Yeah, absolutely. Like, why do it yourself? Saints like Carla. Saints <laughs> yeah. like Carla. That's a good t-shirt idea. I, I feel like I haven't pitched a t-shirt on the pod for a while. What do you but... mean? You've, you pitch podcasts or t-shirts every episode, Charlie. This yeah. is like a running thing. Charlie, we were trying to get merch, trying to get t-shirts. And I feel like Saints like Carla would be a great one. That would They'd be a good fly one. off the shelves. I'm not saying they're bad ideas. I'm just saying like you always do this. <laughs> I do. <laughs> Carla, going into uh, this actually kind of this will air at kind of the perfect time, you know, beginning of December. Um, a lot of people are going to be, you know, wrapping things up for the year, looking forward into 2022. Everyone's got their New Year's resolutions hot and ready to go. What would be some suggestions uh, that you would provide people that are wanting to kind of get their financials in order of things that they can do to, you know, wrap up the year on the right note and kind of prep for 2022 uh, the right way? Yeah, there's several things, especially within QuickBooks that I would recommend doing. First would be reconcile your bank and credit cards. Um, and QuickBooks makes this really easy. It's actually for us accounting people, it's almost kind of like a dopamine hit, to be honest, to reconcile <laughs> stuff and have it like come I out zero that. and you really feel like all is right. Another t-shirt. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's definitely something. I mean, sometimes people put that off. Um, they don't do it on a monthly basis. And if you haven't, I would definitely do that because not, you're going to be able to catch any mistakes that you know your credit card or bank may have made and you're gonna catch any duplicate transactions, but you're definitely gonna wanna get out of there before you run your financial statements at the end of the year. Um, it also will help you identify like maybe any subscriptions or um, I don't know, memberships or something that you haven't been using or that you haven't used that you can cancel that would save you, t you know, money in the coming year. That's so things that are like automatically being taken out. Good personal advice. I need to do that in my own, <laughs> my own. Too, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then I would run financial statements. And um, the first one would be your balance sheet. And then on a balance sheet, you're going to want to be able to validate any invoices that are appearing on your AR. So your accounts receivable, you can run like an aging AR detail or summary report and just will help you identify any uncollectible receivables that you either need to try to collect by the end of the year or that you maybe need to write off. And then um, also check your AP balances um, and make sure that you don't have any unpaid or duplicated vendor bills on there. And then that's also a really perfect time to go through all of your vendor and client lists and um, just inactivate any that you're no longer working with to sort of clean up your books so that you don't just have them sitting there. Um, and it's also really a good time to, to update any 1099 information for your vendors so that you're not scrambling, you know, at the end of January when those 1099s are due, trying to get all that information from people. So that's a good thing to do. And then also run that pro a profit and loss. Um, a profit and loss, there's like a variety of different reports and QuickBooks that you can run, but they can help you do a couple of different things. It can help you check for errors um, or discrepancies in your job costing to make sure that you have allocated costs to the right project or customer or customer project. 
that you've allocated to the correct accounting code. Um, and that all it gets that looks good there. This is also a really good time to sort of tweak your accounting codes. If you have a profit and loss where you've got a bunch of accounting codes that have zero balances, they're just clogging up your system. I mean, that's pretty much a clear indication that that's not something that you're using on a regular basis. I My personal philosophy on accounting codes is, is that less is more. You really only need what you need for your financial reporting. And so you really need to kind of hone in on what is that list exactly. Like the NAHB and the CSI have great lists, but you may not use all of those. So you really need to sort of customize what works for you and what you need to know out of your reporting. So that's a good time to take a look at those. And then also um, that profit and loss, that's a perfect time to check and calculate your overhead. So you would want to go through, check all of those overhead expenses, add them up, and you can either determine, you know, what, what percentage of that is of the sales that you've done that year um, and be able to, that I always tell people the end of the year is a perfect time to figure out what your overhead costs are and make sure that you're taking that amount and that you're out, you know, you're allocating it to your projects. Um, one of the last things that's really cool in QuickBooks, if, if you aren't using it, is the cash flow projector. It is something that's in QuickBooks Online and QuickBooks Desktop. And it just basically takes um, what you, the history of your income versus your expenses. And you can see that on like the business overview page too, if you're in QuickBooks Online. But it can help you predict where you're going to land in the next three months. So it would just take a look at what the, you know, the first quarter of 2022 um, based on your previous history of how, you know, things have gone. But you can also add things in, like if you're planning on buying a piece of equipment or maybe a new truck, you can add that in and then it will show how that will affect things for the next, the coming three months. So that's something I always recommend people do if they have, you know, some things that they're wanting to predict of where their money is going to be, you know, coming up in the first quarter of 2022. That's an awesome list. I feel like I need to take some notes, encourage everyone listening right now to pause, rewind, get out a pen and paper, write those down. Um, what an awesome, you know, kind of summary of everything that they could, you know, set up to be successful in the future here. Um, I would also encourage everyone listening to, if you are a builder, trainer, co-construct user, you know, reach out to your reps, um, ton of free service there. And if you think you need something a little extra, reach out to Carla as well. I think uh, what would be the best way for them to to get in contact with you? And they can just go to my website, buildersgoto.com. And there's multiple different ways to contact me through there. I'll get back with you within 24 hours. Um, and just, you know, I offer a consult just to see what help you might need. And um, I have several different options for personal training um, from hourly to a package. So I mean, we'll just discuss what you're looking for and can kind of guide you what would be the best option for you. Love it. Carla, thank you so much for joining the Building Code. This was fantastic. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. It's been, it's been fun. Thanks, Carla. Charlie, we just had Carla Merrill from Builders Go To on the podcast talking about best practices in the construction industry when it comes to financials. And I learned a lot, yeah. as I always do with our guests. Yeah, I did too. That was one of the first times. Uh, I mean, I always learn a lot, but I was actually taking out my pen and writing down that. notes as you she were was talking. Notes. I was like, is, "Is this guy over here like taking notes? About yeah, to open a small business and <laughs> get well, some foundational accounting practices involved." Uh, no, I will be steering clear of that. I'll let people, saints like Carla, handle that. Um, but that is, I mean, cash flow in, in accounting is definitely not 
uh, an uncommon problem to have in these businesses. So on the, on the data science team, we're constantly thinking about how can we help mitigate this problem and, and help our customers. So hearing her listen to some of the advice that she was giving, I'm like, man, I wonder if we've ever looked at it from that perspective. And uh, I may have to give Carla a little follow-up call with some additional questions I have get into the scientific method of it all but uh yeah awesome I hope she guess. hears that before you call her and she's just like oh great yeah <laughs> I talk for like three hours at the data yeah scientist. we may have to edit that part out if i want carla to answer my calls but <laughs> no she was great and the past few i mean all the guests we have are great but i, I love the theme that we're on right now um of talking to people that are kind of like building adjacent um so you know consultants and, and accountants and people that are in the space but not kind of traditionally trained and it just blows my mind every time to hear how similar um the construction business is and all the problems that they're facing aren't aren't new problems in the world um and there's people out there that can help yeah a lot of great people who know what they're doing listen to them for sure speaking of people who know what they're doing we've got a special guest here today a, with a recurring us. guest a recurring guest that's correct katie uh katie from data and research katie brown katie brown she's joining us again uh to talk about some some topics that we've been covering katie welcome back to the building code thank you i am very glad that you think i know what i'm doing <laughs> yeah. i was going for a smooth transition so you know it was more of a uh oh so you don't really well that. ouch yeah, Zach. Okay, let me jump in here and save that. That is a it is an honor to have you, Katie. I feel like the wall of guests that we have that have come on more than once is slim. We were talking about that the other day. Um, so you're joining a very special um, group of people. We don't ask everybody back. Let's put it that way. Well, I am truly honored either way. And I think this will be a continuing thing. So I think Katie will be joining us more and more. Um, again, she's on the research team here at Builder Trends, so she's constantly talking to customers and kind of on the cutting edge of you know the construction industry. Um, and here today to talk about growth mindset, which is something that we mentioned in that episode. We mentioned it the last episode ago. Um, how do builders kind of frame their, not just themselves, but their company to not be stuck in the past and constantly be evolving and getting better uh, and not just be complacent with good, but how do they continue to shift on to great? Yeah, I am really excited to talk more about this topic because it's something that comes up a lot, like really organically. We uh, pretty much every business wants to grow. Almost every individual wants to keep growing and become better. And growth mindset is all about how you view your failures and your success, um, and kind of how you structure your whole world around that. So, and I can just keep going, jump right in. Yeah, I mean, obviously, this is something that you guys talk about a lot on the research team and talking to companies a lot about. What have been some of your key takeaways um, in some of the research you've been doing on how to evolve into this growth mindset and kind of constantly be pushing for better? Yeah, so I think a little bit of background is helpful. This comes from a psychologist named Carol Dweck, and it's about a spectrum that you can be on of, I have a growth mindset, I believe that I can become a better version of myself, that my success is due to my ability to work hard and find successful strategies to become better. And on the other end of the spectrum, you have a fixed mindset where you are, I am the way I am, I was born this way, and I'm just the kind of person who does blank or who doesn't do blank. Um, so we see this um, when we're talking to builders a lot when they say, my subs or my employees, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. That would be very much fixed mindset. Um, whereas growth mindset is, well, if you train the dog well, and you spend time practicing with the dog, yeah, the dog can learn new tricks. And what's even better is that works on humans as well as dogs. So it's all about- Is it treats? Is that? 
You got to like feed them. Yeah. Well, treats work for both. <laughs> yeah. um, but actually praise is a big part of that. So it's about not so much praising the end result. It's about praising effort towards that result. And it's not like everyone gets a trophy. You know, you all did well. It is. I see that you're trying. And another big component is when there are failures, I see that you're trying and that didn't work. And what did we learn from it? So you're learning from your failures. So like maybe, um, like we just talked about with Carla or you just talked about with Carla. Um, Katie was in, I was, I was fun fact. She was, she was here the whole time. <laughs> Surprise production magic. There yeah. you go. Um, so yeah, when you were talking to Carla, she mentioned like you might have a change order that maybe you're just embarrassed. And so you take on that cost you might see that as a failure in, in a sense, like things didn't go the way you wanted to, but instead of kind of getting mad at whomever was responsible for that change order, you're transforming it into how can we do better going forward? And that is kind of the crux of growth mindset that like you're continually going back to the drawing board. You're continually working hard at it. Um, in with the belief that yes, you can. So it's like, the one of the slogans of this whole topic is the power of yet y-e-t and i even had a teacher in high school we had a mandatory dance class which is love that its own special gotta, trauma gotta stay loose <laughs> yeah. but we would you know all of us were not maybe born dancers we maybe had a fixed mindset about our dance abilities and we weren't allowed to say can't we had to say I have not yet mastered that skill. Ooh, I like so that. It's kind of like, I, I can't do this yet. All about the yet. Man, I, I've already pitched one t-shirt, so I'm going to hold my tongue on this one, but a yet. Uh, Growth mindset. A I, I will withhold myself from pitching products. Yeah, that would be a growth mindset pod. for me. So is this something, Katie, that if someone wants to shift towards that, they can just like wake up one day and decide, I'm going to have a growth mindset? Or what are some of some steps that people can take uh, once they kind of recognize that they may be in this fixed mindset uh, to start getting better and, and evolving. One thing to know is that you're going to be on different areas of the spectrum in different parts of your life. So no one is, well, probably someone is, but no one is entirely having a fixed mindset. No one is like all about growth right. mindset. Like we were talking about, I don't know, just something internally on, on my team and it was funny, it was in the same meeting that I was talking to my team about growth mindset. And at the end I was like, well, I'll try that, but I don't think it'll work. <laughs> and it's like, even though I was Yikes. just talking about yeah. it, um, I fell into that trap of like, it's just, it's going to be this way. So if you want to develop a growth mindset, I would, it depends on what your focus is. Like with, this can work for yourself, like your personal improvement, but also maybe for your company. Like if you're just starting out, one way to look for people with growth mindset, you could ask them, how did you get good at whatever you're good at? Um, and that's actually a question that the psychologist um, came up with this, this whole topic. She was working with a, a baseball team to identify like good potential draftees and they asked them this question. Um, and what they were looking for is, are they saying, oh, well, I'm just, you know, I was born good at right. it. So my dad was good at it. It's genetic. Or were they like, you know, showed up early. I stayed late. 
I took classes to improve on the things that I was, you know, doing, not doing as well. That's the kind of answer that indicates a growth mindset. Or you could ask them about their failures because, you know, you're going to fail. If you are trying to do something new, if you're trying to get better, there's going to be setbacks. But what do you learn from it and do you learn from it? So people who can look back on their failures, that's going to be really important. Um, and I think even just with your business in general, if you're trying to have a growth mindset towards your business overall, take advantage of the resources out there, like builders go to. When you are stuck, that means you need to look for other resources. So this all comes from the fields of education. Um, and so you're not just gonna praise kids no matter what they do and just because they're trying because if they're trying and they're doing the wrong thing like they're just going to get frustrated and it's going to go really bad so if you're trying and trying and things just keep going wrong reach out come to btu talk to other experienced builders talk to your um you know your team here at builder trend it's a lot about like accepting that there's space to grow yeah that's immediately where my mind went to is just immerse yourself in very with very very successful people um in the field that you're in so a ton of good you know uh uh opportunities that you mentioned btu builders go to uh the building code which is a really cool podcast i listen to the better way which is a less cool podcast um uh, but also a there's pretty a good one <laughs> there's a uh an overlap there of someone on the building code and the better way there charlie check, check them both out uh we also have the uh building code crew on facebook uh, so that's something that you can join. Uh, you know, we'll post the new episodes that come out every week and, you know, a ton of members on there that you can just start discussions and, and really just immerse yourself with like-minded people, see what they're doing that you're not doing, um, learn from them, figure out where you're failing, where they're failing, how you can both succeed, um, and really just take advantage of all that and transition into having this growth mindset. I really think it's the special ingredient and in when you're adopting a software is recognizing that you've got a lot to learn. Uh, we've been listening to calls of people who signed up for Builder Trend recently and what their experience was like. And like over and over, I'm hearing the same theme, which is, you know, we expected this long for it to take place, but what we realize is like, we've got what we want, but we still got a long way to go. And I'm like, that's growth mindset. They recognize like, oh, there's a lot here to uncover and to dig into, and it doesn't mean I'm done. You're never really done. You're still more to discover, things to change, new features come out, you gotta adopt constantly. And those are what makes really, really successful companies even more successful is they're always tweaking. They're looking to make the formula even better. Uh, that's what keeps us going too, I think. It's like, that's the challenge, right? Like, if you're not looking to grow or change like how you opened up, Katie, like, what are you even doing? Yeah, and it's it's, you can think about your past success and what led to that as well as like, maybe you don't want to use a takeoff software. You learned to do takeoffs using a pen and a pencil and a ruler on paper. I trust my eyes. Right. And, and it can be very daunting to try this whole new way of doing things, but how did you learn to do takeoffs with pen, right. pencil and mm -hmm. a ruler? Like you had to start somewhere and right now you're just at that I'm starting somewhere. Um, and also I think a, another possible like pitfall is it doesn't mean that you 
are going from building like 30 houses a year to 3,000, like in one year. <laughs> Man, just one change of framework in my brain, and I just yeah. right. increased productivity by 9 million percent. One podcast yeah. episode, that's all it took. It could be that you're just going from building 30 houses to building 31, but everybody goes home by five and has a good night's sleep, and right. you're not working overtime around the clock. Like, growth doesn't have to mean growing in the numbers. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it can be um, becoming better. A better way, one might say. <laughs> one might say that. What perfect timing for this episode going into the end of the year. Um, I was just thinking myself, like, this would be a great uh, New Year's resolution is like this yet mindset and try to incorporate that a little bit. So uh, perfect timing by our, our content team and production team to get Katie Brown back on. Uh, so really, really appreciate it. Uh, I think that about does it for this episode. I was just going to say, you know, Thanks to all the people out there in marketing and who bring on these wonderful guests to Absolutely. make Charlie and I look smarter than we actually are. <laughs> yeah, I think we look smarter. Um, uh, make sure to like, uh, review, subscribe uh, to The Building Code everywhere you listen to podcasts. Um, I'm Charlie. I'm Zach Wotovich. I'm Katie, and I thank both of you because you do a good job too. Oh, fantastic wow. ending. Thanks, guys.